Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. You certainly know what the story has been for Georgia football over the course of this season thus far. It is an offense that is getting better, I would say improving each week, and as guys get healthier, you know, JT Daniels last week, other pass-catching targets in the week to come, my belief is you'll see even more improvement, or at least you have a very good chance of seeing even more improvement as all of that takes place. However, concurrent to that, a Georgia offense trying to get better, the one thing that you see is a Georgia defense that is as good as you start to wonder how you even finish that sentence. As good as we've seen from Georgia, as good as exists currently in college football, as good as Georgia's ever had, certainly as good as anything that Kirby Smart has seemingly had in his years as Georgia coach, which obviously date back to 2016, that there is no level of praise right now for the Georgia defense that seems totally out of whack, totally inappropriate, even with this group still trying to figure out the nature of its secondary. And Mike Griffith is reporting here at dognation.com on this Thursday that a guy in Jalen Kimber who had a lot of excitement around him for the upcoming season, that he's now dealing with an injury that's going to keep him off the field for the rest of the year. Obviously a disappointing piece of news there for Kimber on the basis of Mike's reporting. But even with you know injuries and you know Tyke Smith trying to work his way back and what else is going on there with, with the Georgia secondary giving up probably more big plays in a game like South Carolina that you wanted to, even with that going on, it still seems like the sky is the limit for what the Georgia defense can do, including this Saturday against Vanderbilt, because of how well the front seven's playing at the moment, because of how dominant that group is and how impactful they are at at making things very difficult for a quarterback, sacking quarterbacks, you know, rushing the passer, creating those havoc plays, tackles for loss, things like that, that Georgia just seems to have found not just a stingy defense, because they've had stingy defenses before, but an impactful defense, the kind of defense that really does create a lot of negative plays. And that's one of the huge takeaways that you get when you think about Georgia right now. And obviously my words on this may matter to you, but the words of someone who really understands that side of the ball better than I do, those words probably matter to you a little bit more. So from that standpoint, I thought it was interesting this week when ESPN's David Pollock was on College Football Live. That's the show they do during the week. And the host asked him, David, is this a historically good Georgia defense right now? And Pollock, whose words carry a lot of weight on a topic like this, I thought he had a very interesting thing to say about that. Let's listen to the reasons why it might be. And the one thing, at least for now, that might still be holding it back is David Pollock. I'll say this it's trending in that direction but I'll tell you what the back end haven't really been tested yet like we thought Clemson was going to be a test but apparently they can't score against anybody at any of the Georgia universities in Georgia Georgia Tech I mean they struggled to score against Georgia Tech this past weekend so I'm not ready to go there yet but what I see from the defensive line and the front seven just the front seven you know, you're talking about big Jordan Davis, Trayvon Walker, uh, Jalen Carter, Channing Tindale, uh, Quay Walker, Nicobe Dean, Adam Anderson, Nolan Smith. The list goes on and on and on of great players who do multiple things. So I, here's the thing I think you have to say in response to what Pollock is saying there, because what Pollock describes is probably the thing that we have all noticed as much as anything. That it's not like this is a defense. Like, remember, like, and listen, I love this player, so this is not a criticism. 
But you remember like when like Chase Young was like dominating for Ohio State a couple of years ago and this defense was such a formidable foe to deal with, but most of it was about the one player, not the only, you know, kind of first round talent they had on that team, but so much of of the 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 fear of taking on that Buckeyes defense was the tip of the spear there that uh, a guy like Chase Young provided with the pass rush. It was a dominant defense largely led by one guy. In the case of the Georgia defense right now, what we're talking about is something that's much more of an ensemble cast. What we're talking about is from game to game, you know, it could be Jordan Davis or it could be Nolan Smith or it could be Adam Anderson or we've seen, you know, uh, Jalen Carter get involved here. We've seen Nazir Stackhouse get involved here. We've seen, you know, I thought Devontae Wyatt, at least in my eyes, appear he had a very good game against South Carolina. We've seen reserve players getting here and do it. Tramel Walthour has been seemingly kind of all over the place when he's gotten a chance to play. That it's not a kind of superstar vehicle for one guy right now. It's a collection of guys playing at kind of a superstar level. There are a number of guys, almost like a dream team style, you know, front seven here of outside linebackers, defensive ends, defensive linemen who are capable of kind of getting out there and doing all of that. And, and to me, and, and Smart doesn't need me to say this about him, but I'll but I'll say it nonetheless. The way that this defense is playing right now, I think is really a validation of the way that Kirby Smart has recruited on that side of the ball, because I joke about this a lot. There's the Georgian naysayer, there's the troll, there's the whatever you want to call him, who's always like, what happens to all these five stars once they get to Georgia? And like the thing that you keep coming back to is, well, look at the number of those elite recruits who are still here. And, you know, the other kind of person who thinks he follows the sport closely that says, well, Kirby gets those five stars, but how well does he really develop them? Well, the answer is apparently pretty well because when you see what those guys are doing on the field here at this moment, and yes, none of those guys, Channing Tindall, who your David Pollock mentioned, or you can mention Anderson or Nolan Smith or on and on you go, maybe none of those guys have exactly played quite as much as you might have wanted them to, or they in themselves certainly would have wanted to the last couple of years, but they chose to be patient. They chose to endure the recruiting behemoth that Georgia is, standing alongside other players of a similar stature when it comes to a talent standpoint, and they have come out on the other end better for doing it and now contributing at the highest possible level because those 2018 and 2019 signees were willing to be patient and kind of wait it out and kind of see you know, what life would be like for them when it was their time to have the spotlight to themselves. This is what Kirby was recruiting for, starting with, you know, the number one class in 2018 and kind of rolling on 19 and 20 and the way that the talent has been stacked there when it comes to the defense. This, it would seem, was the vision that Smart had in mind. And it's too soon to know, does all of this result in a national championship? We don't know the answer to that question yet. But in terms of putting a bunch of talent, what was, you know, stacking that talent uh, all there together, I, I think this is pretty well how smart probably imagine it might work out if you just had great players at every level of your defense and you're rotating fresh bodies in to give those great players a, a rest and having backups that are capable of coming in and in large measure playing as well as the more well-known starters are doing. This is about what you would imagine that smart would have said about all of that. However, even with the Georgia defense playing as well as it has through the first three games of this season, there are also, like for every team in the country, imperfections. There are also still concerns. And you heard Pollock a moment ago say that he's not quite ready to say it's a historically good Georgia defense, but it could be trending in that direction. The one thing he still wants to see a little more of, well, Pollock on ESPN TV this week told us just that. 
So many guys that can do so many different things, whether it's rush the passer, whether it's coverage, whether you're big, huge, physical guy that can two-gap or just slap you in the face and run by you and go get the quarterback. So the front seven has proven it is as dominant as we've seen in a long time. The back half will be tested throughout the season and, and have to prove that it belongs in the elite of elite. So every Georgia fan who's watched this team closely over the course of this season thus far I think would very much agree with David Pollock on that, that you could not ask for more from your front seven than what you've gotten. You could not have gotten a more dominant pass rush through these first three games than what Georgia's been able to provide. And Georgia fans are very grateful to have had that as a compliment to a secondary that for now is still trying to figure some things out. There were open receivers against Clemson. There were some pass interference plays that resulted in Clemson having a chance offensively. There were clearly some big pass receptions in the game against South Carolina last Saturday. Josh Van, in particular, the former four-star receiver from Tucker, seemed to take advantage of a lot of that. And so Georgia fans, I would say with good reasons, would say, you know, I love what the defense is doing, and I agree with David Pollock. This has a chance to be a historic defense by Georgia standards, maybe by SEC standards, maybe by college football standards at large. But, boy, let's see what's happening with the secondary. You know, let's see what that group is doing before we really make up our mind about this all the way around, and I totally understand that. And here's the thing that I think we would also point to and say there as well, that the real proving ground for what Georgia's going to be as a defense is not this Saturday against uh, – you know, Vanderbilt, certainly that's not a very good team. And it may not even be the following Saturday against a much better team in Arkansas. That when you think about what the Georgia defense has to prove, you think about that performance from that unit in the biggest games the team's going to play this year. Because unfortunately, you know, Georgia has been a part of what appears to be just an emerging trend across the sport. Too early to see if this is going to replicate itself here in 2021. But for the most part, when we've seen big-time college football games in the college football playoff era, which kind of dates back to 2014, when we've seen those big-time college football games in this era, it's really the team with the better offense that wins the game. And Georgia, when it's lost its biggest games in recent years, one of the stories of the loss was giving up a point total far higher than what it's used to giving up. That was true for the Florida game and the Alabama game of last season. Think back to the 2019 SEC championship. Georgia gave up 37 points to LSU. We don't see Georgia give up 37 to very many teams. But against a great offense in LSU in 2019, that's kind of what happened. 2018 SEC championship. Georgia was kind of, you know, toe-for-toe with Alabama for the most part, even had the first-half lead, but ultimately lost the game and did so by giving up 35 points. Once again, that's more than we typically see Georgia allow against a good team. That's kind of what occurred. So if you really want to take Pollock in his line of thought there seriously, and I think we should, what's it going to take for Georgia to be a truly elite defense, a truly historically good defense? then you've got to shut down and sack quarterbacks in the big games the same way that you're doing right now. Now, I would say that Georgia did that against Clemson in week one. We don't quite yet know what the Clemson's offense is going to be. Reason to suggest right now it might not be very good, but that's certainly a step in that direction regardless of how Clemson plays the rest of this year. It's those big performances and the games in which the spotlight truly is on you. When you're getting the most attention, how do you play in that moment? How do you play in that spot? Now, Georgia doesn't play one of those kind of games at least until October the 30th when it plays Florida. But what you do over the course of the next few weeks, maintaining the level of consistency that you've had so far, 
is a way to help prepare you for that moment when it happens. It's also a chance to get more experience for this secondary, to find out which cornerbacks you truly trust, to get a Tyke Smith back healthy, to allow your safeties, who seemingly have been a big part of the solution for you this year, Lewis Seen and Christopher Smith, to still assert their authority over this group and make sure that everybody's kind of lined up where they need to be. Historically good, there's a chance that's exactly what Georgia is. It'll prove it when it plays its biggest games later on, and it's preparing for those moments with how it's playing right now. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Meriwether and Tharbang. Glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We actually start at 945 on dognation.com, the Dog Nation app. If you've never watched us on the Dog Nation platforms, I'd love to have you check us out there. It's fun. We, this morning, took a few minutes worth of comments. We talked a little bit more about the Jalen Kimber situation that Mike has reported on there at dognation.com, and we just kind of dealt with all of that and whatever's going on with Georgia football before the real show begins, the big show, as I like to call it, we kind of get into whatever else is happening there at 945 and give folks a chance to kind of weigh in themselves. So we'd love to have you join us if you've never done so. Also, radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960. The Ref podcast platforms all across the landscape, Apple, Spotify, everything in between. Big thanks to our friends at Meriwether and Tharp for making it all possible there as well. Your source for Georgia divorce. It means you can find them online at the Atlanta Divorce Team.com. And you know that as much fun as it is talking about college football, talking about divorce is not anywhere near as fun. But sometimes life is about doing things now so you can have more fun later on. And handling a situation like a divorce, if you know that's the next step, if that's an unavoidable step, if that's one of those things where you've considered all your options and this is the option, the next step for you, then it's important to do what needs to be done now so you can be set up for success later on in that next season of life. And that's why Meriwether and Tharp is so important because they understand the intricacies of the law and the way the law impacts your finances and your relationships, especially with your children. All of those things are crucial when it comes to the impact of divorce. And Meriwether and Tharp understand it's not understands that, not just from like a technical legal standpoint, but from kind of the emotional standpoint as well. The toll that it takes on you and those that you love when you're going through this. You didn't really want to be in this spot. You didn't ask certainly maybe ask to be in this spot, but that's where you are right now. So work to conclude this chapter of your life in a, a successful way. That's what my friends at Meriwether and Tharp will give you a chance to do. They'll be an advocate. They'll explain things to you. They'll walk you through the process. They're tireless workers and everything else that's needed in a situation like this. So find them online, theatlantadivorceteam.com, theatlantadivorceteam.com, your source for Georgia divorce, all kinds of free resources there at that website. So don't hesitate to check them out. Don't hesitate to set up that free initial consultation and then make the decision to put them to work for you. Let them be your ally in all of this. Theatlantadivorceteam.com will get you in touch with my friends at Meriwether and Tharp. All right, it is uh, Terrence Edwards here coming up in a moment. We'll talk to uh, Terrence about his own thoughts about the Georgia defense, the way we started the show here today. We'll let Terrence discuss that with us here in just a little bit. Also, hot topic of the week has been what's going on with George Pickens after being spotted at practice on Monday. Terrence will give us some thoughts on that here coming up in just a little bit when we might see him back. Before that, though, I do want to go around the doghouse presented today by our friends at Serve Pro. And yesterday, I thought that Georgia quarterback JT Daniels gave really a pretty revealing press conference where he talked about some of his own issues and kind of what he's 
you know, kind of experience in his kind of year plus being here on campus at the University of Georgia, but also a couple of aspects in particular about the Georgia offense. So let's work through a couple of these things here right now. First of all, the oblique issue that kept Daniels out of the UAB game, exactly when it happened, what it's been like to deal with that injury and kind of where he stands and all of that. Now, this is pretty interesting stuff from JT. Let's go take a listen to exactly what JT said about his current health status when he spoke to reporters yesterday. I mean, it's getting better every day. Uh, it's, it's something that's been hurt since, uh, you know, fall camp, uh, and it never really goes away. Um, you know, you play Clemson, uh, then, it, you know, there was a little dip. Um, so we focused on rehabbing more that week. Last week, rehabbed, uh, you know, as much as we could. This week, we're still doing the same thing, same plan. It's just going to keep getting better and better. So a camp thing, basically, is where that developed for you? That's, that's when it started, yeah. Um, and then, you know, just the... You know, the the more you're throwing it, the worse it's going to get. Uh, you know, if you're not combating that with rehab, which you know, we're doing a great job of right now. And we've heard Daniel say that before, how happy he's been with the rehab experience he's had there at the University of Georgia. But some of what JT says there is why I told you for a couple of weeks that, you know, I was really pretty concerned about the JT Daniels injury until we heard more about it, got more clarity on it. Seeing him play last week certainly seemed like he was fine. But the idea that Daniels gives confirmation that, yeah, he was kind of dealing with this, kind of going back to even before the start of the season, just kind of lets you know that you may have gotten less of Daniels than you would like to have gotten in the Clemson game or, or you know, throughout those practices. Because, obviously, if you're not able to throw without pain, there's going to be some impact that you feel because of that. Now, the good news is the treatment that he's getting, and I guess getting some rest when he can, I guess, is allowing Daniels to now be healthier. He says he's getting better every day. You know, to my eyes, I didn't see any obvious issues last Saturday. He threw the ball around very well against South Carolina. And we'll see if, you know, he's able to, I don't know, play well enough early on Saturday that he's able to go, you know, get some rest and let the other quarterbacks kind of take over there. That'd obviously be a nice thing to see. But at the same time, you know, this is still a guy who's relatively early and young in his own Georgia career. He's not necessarily a young guy from a college athlete standpoint. He's a class 2018 signee. I'm talking about young, tenured, newly tenured as the Georgia starting quarterback. This would just be his, what, seventh game as a Georgia starter? Am I doing the math on that correctly? Sixth or seventh game? Um, that that this is a guy that's still getting in rhythm with the go, those around him and uh, the uh, play playmakers in offense are still getting in rhythm with him. That may be the most important part of all of this, too. So, you know, if he's healthy enough to play, you want him out there. You want this offense to continue to get in sync. But I guess if you can also get him some rest by the time the game's done, you wouldn't mind being able to do that too. The other thing that I want to point out here from Daniels, which I thought was really pretty good, was for a Georgia offense in general, one of the issues is trying to get that running game going and trying to get that group kind of back on par and similar to what we sometimes get when it comes to RBU. Um, and Daniels was kind of asked as the quarterback, what do you think your role in all of that is? And once again, JT Daniels gave some pretty interesting insight into as a quarterback, and not really a running quarterback, but as a quarterback who's just kind of in charge of the entire offense, what he views as a responsibility to get the offense and the running game in particular going. This is what Daniel said about that. My role in controlling the run game has to do with getting us in the right run play. Um, you know, every team has X amount of different run plays. Um, you know, we have a lot. I'm sure a lot of people have a lot. Uh, and each week there's things that are on me and, and, and it's my job to make sure we're in the right one versus the right look. Uh, and then every quarterback controls, try at least tries to control one extra element with their fake, uh, whether it be a fake RPO thrower, uh, you know, faking the zone read uh, after the handoff. 
uh, you know, if, if you can get a, a safety's eyes for one second, it can be the difference between eight yards and six yards. Uh, and I've seen it happen. Um, you know, something our, our coaches emphasize a lot, and something that I really try and you know take into my game. Yeah, so I think that's good stuff from JT there. And look, you know, I think the most important way in which Dan now all the stuff he said from a football standpoint is clearly true, and I'm in no position to disagree with any of that. However, I also think there's a simple point here that's also true as well that. The Georgia running game, in my mind, was better against South Carolina than it had really been at any point in time this season. And I don't think it's a coincidence that also happens in coinciding with the Georgia passing attack looking better against UAB, being also effective against South Carolina. My wish for Georgia offensively for a number of seasons now has been, can this can this play-calling philosophy emerge? Can this offensive system emerge in such a way that it puts defenses in conflict? forces defenses to have to choose do we want to throw bodies at the line of scrimmage and and attempt to stop the run do we have to drop guys back in the hope of stopping the pass do we want to try to bring pressure on the quarterback because he's picking us apart you know being the kind of offense that makes defenses make a tough choice that's been my wish and my hope for Georgia for quite some time and one of the reasons why I'm very excited about what I saw from Daniels as a healthy quarterback playing on Saturday was it seems like this Georgia offense is potentially on its way to being able to do that. Now, in the sentence I just spoke, the word potentially is doing a lot of the work. I certainly understand that because when you think about where Georgia maybe in previous years needed to get to offensively, that's obviously a pretty long journey to go on. But it seems like right now, step by step, day by day, Georgia's kind of going on that journey. Yes, the RBU running back you know, situation right now is not quite what it's been for Georgia in the past. But the passing game is also, in my mind, a little bit better than it's been in the past. And at a certain point in time, for an offensive line that's still trying to find its way and figure things out, the, the, the potent passing attack just makes that job a little easier. All of a sudden, you don't have as many guys to block as maybe Georgia's dealt with in 2019 and 2020 when teams really were just daring Georgia to throw it over top of them and beat them. You can't dare Georgia in quite that same way anymore. The presence of Daniels changes that. The presence of some of these young pass-catching targets who seem to be emerging, that's changing some of that too. So I don't know how great the Georgia offense is going to be by the end of the season, but I do have a decent amount of confidence that with Daniels at the helm, this group's at least trending in the right direction right now, so I think that's pretty good all the way around. Before the show is done, you'll hear more from JT Daniels on the topic of George Pickens and what was seen from him on Monday and when we might see more of Pickens than we saw this week. So that's coming up. But first, let me remind you that this is Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at Serve Pro, and obviously for homeowners, there's a financial connection you have to your home, and there's also kind of an emotional connection you have to your home there as well. And one of the scary things can be as a homeowner, when you see this thing that you love, the, the house that you live in, when you see it damage. And frequently that's like fire damage, water damage, things like that. It can really take a toll on you. And that's about more than just the expense of your, your you know, feared, you know, concern about, you know, what, what that might be like. It's about the fact that you feel like the place that you, that, that you live has been uh, greatly impacted in some way. That's why my friends at Serve Pro can step up to the play and make you feel so much better if you're dealing with any thing like that because when it comes to fire damage water damage the 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 impact that stuff can cause your home that's what serve pro steps up to the plate and helps folks with all the time they can repair it for you they can fix it for you and make it in your home like it never happened that is such a valuable resource it's the kind of thing that makes people feel better after they go through what can be a pretty harrowing experience all the way around that's why i love recommending serve pro here on dog nation daily there as well all their franchises are independently owned and operated 
which is a, a good thing because it lets you know that you're getting the kind of family-oriented service that you want from a company like this. Uh, so please reach out to my friends at Serve Pro today, and they can help you with any kind of damage your home may have experienced, fire damage, water damage, everything in between. That's what Serve Pro can do. You can find them online. It's servepro.com. That's the website. I'll spell it out for you if you're listening to radio podcast. S-E-R-V-P-R-O. Servepro.com. You can find out more about them today. So as I told you here on Dog Nation Daily, we're going to get more from JT Daniels before we're done, specifically on the issue of George Pickens. But for now, on everything else going around the Georgia program and dogs getting ready for that trip to Nashville and trying to stay hot is arguably so far the best team in the country through three weeks here this season. Let's find out the next steps to take for UGA. Let's talk to Terrence Edwards right now here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharn. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We'll say hello to Terrence Edwards. Always love his insight on everything going on with Georgia football right now. And, you know, Terrence, I was just playing a little bit of audio for JT Daniels, who was healthy and back playing last week. And to my mind, as I said before, I'm not a doctor, won't pretend to be one, but he certainly looked pretty healthy. And the injury concerns that I had, with the most part, kind of alleviated by the fact that he just seemed to be so capable last week and obviously the offense picked right back up with where you would expect it to be with him you know kind of beaten up on a lesser opponent in South Carolina what did you see from Daniels last week and I guess um you know how happy are you to see what to me looked like a pretty healthy quarterback who had the Georgia offense a week ago kind of firing on all cylinders oh he looked definitely looked healthy the way he was throwing the football around uh leads me to believe that he's uh, very high percentage-wise of 90 to 95 percent of being healthy. Uh, but he looked good. The the offense looked good, and it just lets me believe that the Clemson game definitely he something was going on because we didn't try to use day, uh, JT in any kind of manner of throwing the football down the field. So uh, if this offense that we can continue throughout the year and the way the defense. Playing, then Georgia team is going to be there at the end trying to compete for a national championship. You know, I'm reminded you and I talked on the show last week about hey, getting some of these young receivers going at home. And, you know, that had been true against UAB. To me, it was true again against South Carolina there as well. I'll give Daniels a lot of the credit for this. Uh, you know, Jermaine Burton catches another touchdown. A.D. Mitchell catches his first career touchdown there as well. That, you know, we'd kind of said, hey, this is a comfortable environment. You're going on the road to Nashville this week. That's a little different. You've got bigger games coming up in October, including a road game against Auburn. You know, get some of these guys that you want to lean on, whether it's a second-year player in the program or a first-year player in the program, get them going right now. And in my mind, that really continued for Georgia this past Saturday. I, I really saw a lot that I liked from the Georgia offense. I, I, I did as well. Uh, we pushed the ball downfield. We used every receiver in the way that I think that fits their skill set. Um, and everyone is contributing. It's just not one guy that they're focused on. I think uh, having George out can, can be a blessing and a curse at times because he's so talented that we try to force him the ball sometimes. And we know that he would go up and catch that shit they shit the ball. And with him, I call it 80-20 because it's an 80% chance that he's going to catch it. Now we just being able to use all the skill sets that we have in multiple different ways uh, to make the offense roll. And we have a lot of talent. Uh, I mean, I, and I'm going to keep talking about uh, A.D. Mitchell. I think he's a he's a rising superstar. Uh, Ladd is playing well. Jermaine is playing well. The tight ends are, are playing well. 
The running backs, uh, James Cook is probably the, mo- the most productive running back we have right now, and I've been uh, singing his praises since he arrived on campus. So we have a lot of talent. We just got to continue to put these guys in in position to be successful. I think it's exactly right. Before you joined us at the beginning of our show, we played some audio of your former teammate David Pollock on ESPN talking about this Georgia defense and whether or not it might be historically good by the time the season comes to an end. We know the story here. This is a front seven that's as dominant as anything I've seen in the smart era and probably even before that. You probably have to go back to some of the teams you played on to kind of get um, you know, a front seven that looks as dominant as this group kind of looks like right now. But there's obviously still some questions in that secondary there too. Mike Griffith reporting a dog nation that Jalen Kimber now going to miss the rest of the season. That's another piece of that depth in the secondary that – that appears it's going to be missing here. So from your standpoint, given the totality of it, you know, how historically good do you think this Georgia defense has a chance to be? I think that front seven is the is uh is up there with some of the best that we've we've had uh, collectively. Uh they're fast. They're they're big and they're fast. Uh the back end, especially the corners, we need to continue to uh develop and work through that. I think the best uh defense we can have in the back end is that front seven getting pressure so that back end doesn't have to cover as long. Um, but that's my concern is, is that back end being able to hold up their weight because we know the front seven is going to do their job. Just now the back end just have to do their job and not allow uh, teams to beat us deep like South Carolina did a few times. Um, that's my only concern. But if we continue to get pressure like we have, uh, teams are not going to have time to throw the ball deep and that's your best defense if your front seven is, is getting pressure and now he's starting to see ghosts whenever uh, even when we're not seeing pressure uh, make balls inaccurate so the front seven just got to continue doing what they're doing and the back end just have to continue to develop as the season goes on well I agree with you right there that front seven is such a weapon right now that it helps this secondary as it's trying to figure itself out there uh, a little bit but as a wide receiver yourself when you see a guy like Josh Van have the success that he had on Saturday against the Georgia secondary, like what do you attribute that to? And I don't mean to ask too simplest of a question, but is this as simple as, you know, Van's just running past people or, you know, you know, in one case even kind of jumping over somebody? I mean, is this just a case of a good athlete having a good day or is there something more complicated to it than that? Kirby Smart certainly was – a little slow to want to diagnose that publicly here when he talked about it this week, but when you see a guy like Van have the success that he had as a receiver yourself, what do you see from the Georgia secondary in that moment? I just think sometimes, B, you just got to give the other guy credit. Yeah, uh, He is a scholarship player. We did recruit him at Georgia, and I like Josh Van coming out of Tucker when he came out a few years ago. So that was a scholarship player making two plays, especially the play on Kendrick. Kendrick was in position. He tried to high point the ball, but Van just went over him and made a better play. Sometimes it's not schemes and not whatever. It just give the guy credit for making a play. The first play that uh, he ran on speed was I don't think we lined up very well. Uh, South Carolina got tempo, yeah. and we he hit us quick. And I don't think we can line up and just play one-on-one coverage. I don't think we have those type of DBs right now. Uh so just give Josh Van some credit that he made three plays and got him over 100 yards in a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, it seems like when Van was coming out of Tucker, 
This was a time in which Georgia was very interested in those really big receivers. You understand why you want a big receiver in the SEC. Obviously, look at a guy like George Pickens. He's used his size to great success. However, in the years since then, it seems like Georgia's also gotten much better at kind of like diversifying their receiver profile here a little bit of, you know, they can't all be 6'2 guys, right? It's like you want to have that speedster a little bit too. You want to have that burner uh, there as well. Somebody that can, you know, whether it be a, a slot guy or just someone that uses speed sometimes on the outside there as well, that it seems like, you know, for a while there, Georgia was really prioritizing, I think Barton Simmons used to call these like the Cadillac wide receivers, those big, long bodies, and maybe sometimes not the quickest and, you know, not always the the most straight line speed. But all of a sudden now you see a Georgia receiving core that I think is a lot more diverse in terms of the kinds of athletes that it's brought in. And, you know, it's pretty clear that, that Van showed you on Saturday that having that, 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 initial burst of quickness that straight line speed that's still incredibly valuable even in a league right now that kind of values the big receivers too oh i I think so i think at one point in time that that's where football went having the six two and up receivers and going trying to find calvin johnson and the random malls like you trying to find those big guys but uh lately there it has been a lot of diverse receivers around going trying to find that shifted receiver trying to find that they're still looking for the big six four receivers but it's just not putting all your eggs in one basket trying to find that big tall receiver go yeah. out and try to find a guy that who could play and i'm gonna give you a name that um i wish georgia would have signed um i worked him out a few times the receiver at north carolina josh downs okay josh downs is a heck of a receiver and he's only about five nine but he can play he can play so it doesn't matter in my opinion, I've always said you could be six five or six one. If you could play consistently catch the football and consistently get separation, you could play on any level. Yeah, I don't want to get, you know, too lost in the topic, but it seems like to me, Terrence, and maybe you'll agree with this, it seems like the college level has been more obsessed with the big receiver than the NFL has been. You think about whether it be historically guys like Steve Smith or even more recently a guy like, you know, Tyreek Hill, that, you know, some of the guys that have had great success in the NFL are not necessarily the gigantic guys, whereas it seems like there's been a huge priority for those big, long arm, tall receivers at the college level. But some of the guys who've dominated at the NFL level are not necessarily that body type. No, correct, correct. You have a lot of guys in NFL that's not that big. And I think one of the guys that's one of the more underrated receivers is Stephon Diggs, and he's not a big guy. Uh, Antonio Brown has been one of the better receivers in the NFL for the last five, six years, uh, a smaller guy. So I think NFL is in a mindset of if you could play and you fit what we're looking for, uh, you don't have to be a certain size uh, I mean, besides the quarterback. And I think that that's even getting away from the prototypical six four six five. They're looking for guys who can play and, and win games. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned a name, so I'll mention one too, then we'll change the subject. But other night on high school, we had Kennesaw Mountain, and they have a wide receiver named Savion Riley who's – going to Duke not the biggest guy in the world you know kind of a maybe a slot receiver you know type guy but Terrence he can't be tackled and you're kind of left to wonder and not to say that Duke's not a great program but you're left to wonder of ooh, I, I wonder if being on TV here doesn't open some more doors for Riley and maybe he gets more choices about where he you know might want to go with his college career if he wants to go somewhere else other than to be with David Cutcliffe there because it's another example of hey you know just because you're not you know 6'3 you know doesn't mean that you can't play at a very high college level when you're dominant a, a pretty big time game, uh, you know, for a high school football team on a on a Friday night. Oh, most definitely. There's always guys that kind of slip through the cracks with the big programs, and just a guy that 
was playing big time football right now for us is Ladd. I've yeah. seen him bring his name up and you know, I think George and Vanderbilt came on late uh for his services and um so there's always guys that slip through the cracks that uh evaluations might not be as high and you missed on some of the guys that you had ahead of them and you have to go find some guys to fill the role and you know, Savion Ray I've watched and um he's a he's a good high school football player yeah. and I think uh a lot of schools have missed out on it. If he continue to, you know, sign with Duke in February, Duke is getting a, a, a really good football player. Hey, let me finish with this. Speaking of receivers, one of the hot topics this week has been George Pickens, his return. Uh, obviously, we don't know if his return is going to occur this year, but obviously gets a lot of fans excited when he's seen there at practice. He's at least returned to some portion of Georgia practice. A lot of reporters saw him there on Monday. Good Kirby Smart speak about this on Tuesday. JT Daniels is also pretty cautious when he spoke about this on Wednesday uh, evening there. Terrence, you know George. You understand the, the, the nature of a competitor who wants to come back from injury, but also a guy that's got a very bright future to think about as well. You know, what do you kind of make of the current status of Pickens, given what's been seen, what's been said? Uh, you know, ACL is a tricky, uh, and I only know of one guy who could really, who came back in the time frame that George has been right now. That's Adrian Peterson, who was able to tear his ACL in three months, come back and still be the best player, yeah. best running back in the NFL. Uh, can I see George coming back? I could. I think it. it if we make it to the playoffs, I think George probably would give it a go. Uh, if we don't, if we're not in the college football playoffs, I don't see it. That's just me. I don't have any inside information on it, but I do know he's he's working very hard uh, to get back. Uh, if he plays or not, I don't know, but he's, he's working really hard and, and it's a hell of a schedule is what I've been told. Well, Terrence, we certainly appreciate you being here with us on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp here today, and appreciate the work you're doing. We talk a lot about receivers there. With all the receivers out there across our great state who want to get better, you've worked with so many of those, and obviously you continue to do that for folks even right now there as well. So for people who want to get in touch with you and find out about how you can impact their football career, how can they find more of you? Uh, you can find me on all social media at Terrence Elwood's Wide Receiver Academy. Terrence, great stuff. We appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, good stuff there from Terrence Edwards talking a little bit about uh, the current state of the Georgia Bulldogs and what's going to go down with with George Pickens when he might be coming back, what you're seeing from that Georgia offense right now. Good stuff all the way around from Terrence Edwards right there. By the way, I mentioned uh, Savion Riley from Kennesaw Mountain. I got we saw – a couple of weeks ago on our uh, drive for the GHSA state title on Petrie TV and CBS46.com. We have one of our biggest games of the year coming up on Friday. Our good friend Rusty Manziel going to be on assignment and away from the broadcast on Friday. Jeff Sintel, of course, you know him from each week here on Dog Nation Daily and all across the Dog Nation platforms. He's going to be with me in the broadcast booth on Friday, and that's going to be a lot of fun in place of Rusty Mansell for this week. Getting ready for one of the biggest games of the year, when it comes to Lee County going to Warner Robins, two programs with state championship pedigrees, two programs with elite, I'm talking about you know four and five star level talent on really both teams. There, obviously, Vic Burley, a huge name to know for Warner Robins when it comes to the class of 2023. Lee County similarly loaded though 
uh, freshman running back you're going to be hearing a lot about in the uh, in the uh, certainly the years to come. This is a terrific game. It's Peachtree TV Friday night. If you're outside the Atlanta kind of television viewing footprint, you can watch it streaming on CBS46.com. This is as good a game as we're going to do all year long. I'm happy to have Jeff Sintel in the booth for Rusty Manziel. Just going to be a good, good game all the way around. I cannot wait for that on Peachtree TV coming up on Friday night. All right, that's the situation there on Friday. Of course, you start thinking about Saturdays there as well. Let's go ahead and preview a few of these for you. It's our Bet US Best Bets. I look at the other big games of the weekend. I told our video audience this a little earlier. This is kind of a calm before the storm a bit. Kind of a relatively quiet week in the SEC before it really heats up in a huge way, huge way next week with huge games all across the board. But let's go ahead and preview a few of these as part of our Bet US uh, Best Bets for right now. In Jerry World on Saturday, Texas A&M and Arkansas. This is a game that now sees Arkansas as a five-point underdog here. At one point in time, this is probably about a, a touchdown in the direction of the Aggies. It's moving towards the Hogs here just a little bit. Worth noting that Jimbo Fisher in three previous matchups against Arkansas as head coach of Texas A&M is 0-3 in the spread against all of in all those instances against Arkansas. You know, A&M has covered five of its last seven SEC games. So they're in pretty good shape there in terms of the way they ended last season. This is one of those things where I still think if you're looking at this game, the unit that matters to me here is the Texas A&M defense. Obviously, Georgia fans have their eye on this game because the following week, you're talking about Arkansas coming to Athens and the potential of bringing a lot of attention with them when they do so. But for now, while I am very impressed with what Arkansas has done, and Sam Pittman's 10-3 and against the spread as an Arkansas coach thus far and getting the big upset against Texas straight up, on the field this year as impressed as i am i'm not quite ready to sell a&m in the spot as of yet to be completely honest this is a game that's more fun to watch on television than it might be to actually get some action down on but we're going to make the pick as a part of go with the flow presented by rs andrews on friday so i'll make it here for you right now i'll take a&m minus the five i'd like it more obviously at less than five and you may get it eventually i mean if you want to shop at bet us to see if that arkansas money keeps coming in because arkansas money had come in the beginning of the week that's moved the line in the direction of the hogs a bit if you want to get a little bit risky to see if that line moves more in the direction of Pittman and the hogs before this game goes off you might get you know a, a chance to do that if you really like if you really like Texas A&M but for now at five if forced to make the pick I'll make Texas A&M there typically speaking I love going against teams the week after they play Alabama and I really love going against teams the week after they had a probably a punch above their weight class type performance that may have been what florida did last see last week and what was in gainesville been celebrated as the greatest loss of all time in the two-point defeat at the hands of the alabama crimson tide they host tennessee on saturday if this is any other opponent i'm probably going against florida here in this spot but frankly 20 points where which is where we're picking the game there's been a little bit of line movement on this there as well but we kind of locked these numbers in earlier in the week to make it fair for everybody who makes the picks with us as part of go with the flow at a 20 point number i do like florida against tennessee because i think the, the tennessee defense is just so bad i think right now this is a very pillow soft team i don't think there's any sec toughness in the vols whatsoever and if florida were on the road at kentucky this week the place they'll play next saturday i think you're talking about a much tougher spot and a much tougher situation all the way around I just don't believe that Tennessee is good enough to challenge anyone right now. So believe it or not, it's a big number. Only the 
third time in the Mullen era that Florida's been favored by 20 or more points in SEC play. Last year, they lost straight up as a 23-point favorite to LSU and pushed in a game before that uh, against the Kentucky Wildcats. So we haven't seen Florida in this spot very much, favored in SEC play by this big a number at home but I believe they cover that number against Tennessee on Saturday. I'll quickly run through a couple of these others there as well. This is literally a put-up-or-shut-up type game for LSU at Mississippi State. Mississippi State, a two-and-a-half-point home underdog here. They got robbed last week at Memphis. There's no question about that. Bad officiating hurt the Bulldogs big time, but I still don't think Mississippi State's a very good team. Um, LSU may not be a very good team either. This is their last chance to prove if they have any competency whatsoever because if this is still a team that has any of the DNA left from the 2019 National Championship, then they go out and get some revenge against a Mississippi State team that embarrassed them in week one a year ago. So I'm going to take a hunch that LSU does that. Wins are hard to come by. The LSU schedule is about to get very, very tough. If they don't get this one, you start to wonder how much the basement may really flood for the uh, for the Tigers here in, in future weeks. So there could be a little bit of self-preservation that powers Orgeron in this spot. Two and a half is the number. LSU's on the road. I'll take the fighting Tigers on that. Quickly on Kentucky, South Carolina, I like Kentucky here. I believe Gamecocks will win an SEC game this season. Certainly Vanderbilt, possibly Tennessee, simply not Kentucky. Yes, Kentucky struggled last week against Chattanooga, but if anything, that makes me like them more here in this spot. Kentucky may not be great, but they're too good to be bad two weeks in a row. So I think even on the road, uh, Will Levis and this Wildcats offense probably shows up there. And then the one big national game of note is Notre Dame-Wisconsin Soldier Field. That's game day. That's the big noon kickoff show on Fox as well. Six and a half looks like a lot of points for Wisconsin. I got to tell you, if you're watching Notre Dame right now, you're seeing a program that really has a problem. Something's not right with Notre Dame. I think a lot of it's on the defensive side of the football. If you look at what Cincinnati has done kind of post Marcus Freeman's departure, I think you're left to believe that Luke Fickle you know, is still finding a way to to get a pretty high-quality Bearcats defense for the most part, whereas, you know, Freeman's arrival at South Bend, even though it came with some hype and even though he's been kind of secretly whispered as a potential predecessor to Brian Kelly as the head coach there at Notre Dame, the results on the field for the Irish just don't say that right now. Uh, did not, you know, look great against Florida State. Florida State may be one of the worst teams in the country. Struggled against Toledo in a game that was on streaming internet. There is something not quite right with Notre Dame right now, and so that's enough to make me take a flyer on the Badgers minus the six and a half. That is our my uh, our Bet US best bets. Always so good to have uh, Bet US with us because listen, they have been America's most beloved sports book for more than twenty five years. You do not get to be that earn that kind of status, that kind of recognition if you're not taking really good care of the folks that are playing with you. BetUS is known for the number one, the best incentives in the entire industry, including when you sign up right now. When you go to BetUS.com, when you use the promo code DN125, that's DN125, you're going to get 125% sign-up bonus. Simple language here. It means you put $100 in, you'll get 125 on top of that. That's a total of $225. That's what I mean when I say 125% sign-up bonus. So literally, before you place your first wager, before you win your first bet, you already start with more money in your account. You're already a winner. That's what BetUS can do for you. So find them online, BetUS.com. Use the promo code DN125 to get 125% on your initial sign up bonus and those are bet us best bets for the upcoming week and here on dog nation daily presented by meriwether and tharp let's turn our attention back to the georgia bulldogs here for a moment and for a moment not quite what we're going to see on saturday against vanderbilt but we what we might see in some future week 
Obviously, George Pickens was spotted at Georgia practice on Saturday. Uh, I should say on Monday. Uh, Georgia reporters invited into the uh, practice facility for the first time in a couple of years. Pickens was the thing they noticed while being there. We played audio for you yesterday of Kirby Smart kind of giving you a pretty wide-ranging view of what Pickens has done and what he still needs to do to have any kind of consideration of being back on the football field. And with that in mind, a very thoughtful guy, JT Daniels, also shared some well-thought-out opinions about what really matters when it comes to George Pickens there as well. So to be fair and balanced, because obviously we talked earlier this week with the possibility maybe we do see George Pickens again when at one point I guess I'd probably kind of put that out of my mind that might be likely to happen as a way of being fair and balanced here for a moment here is JT Daniels I wouldn't say it's negative I'd say it's realistic a realistic appraisal from from Daniels about what really is still out there for George Pickens this is pretty good stuff from JT take a listen yeah the most important thing is you know make sure you're ready when you come back uh is what I'm always going to tell him I'm going to keep telling him uh, you know, as much as I want George back in the starting lineup, because uh, I, I, I don't think there's anybody better than him uh, anywhere. Um, you know, I think him being fully healthy uh, and fully prepared to play is the most important thing. Uh, it's about the person before the player. Um, you know, with the guy that has the chance that he has, uh, you know, for his future and his potential. Um, you know, as, as much as we'd all love to have him, I think the most important thing is making sure the person is ready. And you know, he's medically clear and you know of course i have great trust in our training staff um but I, I don't want him to you know say it's better than it is uh you know and i just really want him to be focused on making sure he's rehabbing and doing the right thing and when he comes back you know he's coming back at full speed i mean here's the one thing i don't think anybody would dispute with georgia is there's no way that anything other than what daniels describes there will be true you just trust this Georgia staff to do that because, like, here's the thing. is like, obviously, Georgia cares about Pickens, but even beyond that, they have an incentive to be seen as doing right by Pickens, other guys they have. In other words, there is no gain, even a short-term gain, from being self-serving of, oh, let's rush George Pickens back, let's get what we can get out of him, and, you know, we'll let him move on after that, and, you know, we'll just kind of move on ourselves because people notice. So not only does Georgia have its own authentic, genuine reason for wanting to care for its players, but also it wants future players that look like George Pickens. So you better believe they are paying very close attention to how do you take care of a guy like Pickens? How do you use him when he is healthy? And how do you rehab him when he's working his way to get back healthy? All of this kind of stuff, uh, that's the kind of thing that players are watching closely. And listen, maybe I'm old-fashioned, but as much as we talk now about name, image, and likeness and all this other stuff that's of interest to players – how soon will you play me? How well will you play me? How well will you take care of me if I'm unable to play? That's still the backbone of a recruiting effort. That's still the, the I would say, the most important thing that parents and advocates for players, they care about. Yes, it's kind of nice to get a, I don't know, a football card or a T-shirt or a restaurant endorsement or whatever these guys are getting. This And I understand all the, the excitement around the, the kind of start of the name, image, likeness era. But it's the nuts and bolts of recruiting that matters more than anything. How will you handle injured players? Can you make an injured player healthy again? Can you make them feel healthy again? Can you set them up for a chance to impress NFL scouts possibly come this late winter and spring? That's the stuff that recruits are watching closely. And what they're seeing right now is, I believe, Georgia doing right by George Pickens. And maybe that results in him playing again this season for Georgia. Maybe it doesn't. But it certainly looks like a program that has its – eyes dotted its t's crossed when it comes to taking care of its injured players and i think that's a thing that georgia fans ought to feel pretty good about something else you can feel really good about as we head towards the weekend whether you're watching pro football tonight uh me and jeff Sintel on high school football tomorrow 
or a busy day of college and pro football on Saturday and Sunday, nothing goes better than that than, than pizza. And there is no better pizza for the occasion than our friends at Marco's Pizza. Because when it comes to Marco's Pizza, pizza lovers get it. Not only do you get the golden cr- uh, cr- crust uh, baked to a golden brown, the three melty cheeses on top, those old, old world toppings that kind of just go so great with that there as well. The video always looks so good. It's always tricky when I see this video because we're getting close to lunch and I'm already hungry as it is. And the Marco's Pizza video there is only making me even hungrier. And you know what else I'm hungry for? I'm hungry for great savings. And Marco's Pizza can do that for you too. How about a bundle right now? You get the large one-topping pizza. You get a pizza bowl, which is like the pizza flavor without the crust, which is actually kind of an amazing invention. Talk about like uh, space-age technology. We're getting pizza flavor without the crust. A lot of folks trying to avoid carbs and things like that these days. Well, the, that's what the pizza bowl gives you a chance to enjoy. You also get the cheesy bread there as well if you want your carbs on the side. Uh, Twenty-one ninety-nine is 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 the uh, price here. A large one-topping pizza, pizza bowl, cheesy bread, all just twenty-one ninety-nine. Unbelievable savings. The Marcos app or Marcos.com. That's how you can order as i said before marco's pizza pizza lovers get it and as we close out here today our gator hater roll call has been very florida centric as of late florida fans have been running that yap after the close call against uh the alabama crimson tide as i jokingly said before the greatest loss in the history of college football florida suffered it last week or maybe celebrated it last week maybe that's what they did they celebrated the greatest loss of all time No one's ever been better in defeat than Florida was last week against Alabama. Congratulations to them for that. And, of course, that has gotten Georgia fans fired up. We've had a lot of Gator-centric golden shoe submissions, including this one from one of our best guys, Forestry Dog, here. Now, I don't admit – I don't really know the full context of this. Is Dan Mullen a big uh, Jimmy Buffett fan? Because you've got the (laughs) – this is actually like Forestry Dog. You got to really like understand like how talented he is. And I'm going to go past my music here for a second. But that's like the Florida font for uh, uh, <laughs> for you know all their social media stuff. It says I'm a big parrot head, a pirate born 200 years too late. Dan Mullen. Um, and then Forestry Dog says on Twitter that Mullen hoped that nobody caught him in his hula skirt. First of all, if you're watching on video, this is the kind of thing you can't really unsee. This is also the kind of thing that got Jim McElwain in some real trouble when he was kind of seen shirtless with a shark or at least a person that looked like Jim McElwain. Uh, the the face of Dan Mullen on the hula skirt dancer there, that is a tough look all the way around. That is not really Dan Mullen, at least I don't believe it is, but a pretty funny stuff there from Forestry Dog on that. Golden shoe winner for today. And speaking of those lousy, stinking gators, how about 37 days from right now? Uh, that is our Gator Hater Countdown. We will see you tomorrow on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Merriweather and Tharp. And on the podcast, time now of the R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. So one of the things we didn't do as much on the show today because it just kind of broke right as we we're going to the air was the Jalen Kimber news that Kimber's not going to miss the rest of the season. I'll read you a couple of sentences from Mike Griffith on this, and I'll get you a couple of comments on that there as well. So it's season-ending shoulder surgery. Uh, that's what uh, Kimber's dealing with right now, and obviously it's another blow for Georgia secondary that's been pretty thin all the way around anyway either because of player departures or – you know, in Tyke Smith's case, his own injury and you know, guys who are playing are either young or inexperienced. So the Georgia secondary has dealt with its share of challenges. We certainly understand all of that. And obviously wish, you know, uh, uh, Kimber well as as he works his way back through that. But obviously his next opportunity to play football will not be here during the 2021 season. According to a report from uh, Mike Griffith there, Red Dog One writes in to the comment section on this, wishing Kimber to get well soon. Looking forward to big things from him next season. And yeah, 
I think that Jalen Kimber absolutely remains a big-time prospect for this Georgia program. This won't change that, obviously. But it's you know clearly a setback for a guy that was really looking forward to this year, and he won't quite get the opportunity to enjoy that. Randy Glass, 14, writes in, seems like there's more season-ending injuries this year across college football. Not sure if it's a coincidence or something else going on. Good luck, Kimber. We'll see you in 2022. I mean, it certainly seems like for Georgia, they've dealt with their share of you know just all kinds of stuff like this. I still say it's just the kind of thing that's just sort of um, you know just kind of what football is, right? It's it's a challenging sport where injuries and attrition are always going to be a part of that. It's a shame for a guy like Kimber because it seems like he'd really worked his way towards having a real chance to to contribute. And gonna have to wait on his chance to do that. So we wish him well. Check out Dog Nation for more on that. We'll talk to Mike about this tonight. When it comes to Cover Four Live, we'll see all the Dog Nation team there for that 7:30 p.m. here on Thursday night on the Dog Nation video channels. And for those of you that check out the podcast each and every day, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. We will be back again tomorrow. Our final look at the game against Vanderbilt and kind of where Georgia stands as it. Finishes off its September slate with some big games on the horizon for October. So we'll talk all of that with you tomorrow. Thanks for being here. Big thanks to R.S. Andrews. Make it possible. Air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric. R.S. Andrews can do all of that for you. They show up on time. They do the work that's promised for the price that's promised. You can trust R.S. Andrews on that today. So find them online at rsandrews.com. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Mary Weather and Tharp. We'll talk to you then.